everybody, and welcome to another edition of Courtside with Joe Morelli. Joe Morelli is the head high school boys basketball beat writer for Game Time CT and the Hearst Connecticut Media Group. And I'm your host, Sean Patrick Foley. With me, of course, is the eponymous Joe Morelli. Joe, it's been a, almost a year since we were last on this podcast. Some just a, a whirlwind of things happened. Obviously, COVID completely mucking up the works denying a state uh, the state championship we last time we left we were getting geared up for the run to the sun now we're not we didn't have that season obviously we didn't have the postseason we didn't find out what happened with east catholic and windsor and now with with covid still raging uh, across connecticut and the country another truncated season we thought we were going to start december we ended up starting tonight monday february 8th almost a year to the day Actually, it's 11 months to the day since we last left you guys. Joe, how have you been these last 11 months? What a wild, uh, what, a, what, a, what a crazy uh, time we live in. What's, right the, what's the word I use? What a, I use the Grateful Dead line. What a strange trip it's been for the, um, the poll. Uh, that was my intro line. I'm glad you kept it in there, Sean. Um, I'm a fan of the Grateful Dead, but I, that line kind of stuck with me. And it's really been strange because almost every story one of us in high school sports has written involves COVID somehow, even positive stories, because you're even affected by it. And uh, as you said, listen, we got through the first day of the state tournament last year. I had a sense we weren't going to get to Mohegan. I had no idea it was going to get canceled the next day, March 10th. And, it, and then obviously the stuff that happened nationwide ended up justifying the decision for the CIC made to be the first state organization to cancel. They were also the last state organization to cancel in the spring and obviously, we know what happened with football. We don't have to go into it because it's a basketball podcast, but it's been crazy. And I honestly didn't think we'd get through the fall as much as we did. And I'm very happy, obviously, as a basketball beat writer for almost two decades, to have some semblance of a season. Yes, we're not going to have a state tournament. That's already been determined. We're only staying in league play, 12 regular season games. If Hopefully, we get through that and league tournaments. I mean, it's, we don't, we just don't know what's going to happen, Sean, because the virus is going to dictate what happens. The numbers have been better in Connecticut. So hopefully we will avoid a lot of uh, team quarantines. We will be able to play ball this season. Joining us a little later is going to be Wilbur Cross coach Kevin Walton, the two-time defending SEC champion. Good, good thing they're going to be allowed to uh, defend their title again this season. Uh, but I think Kevin was one of our last guys we had on, didn't it? Wasn't he? Uh, uh, I'm not year? sure. He, we had him on when he won it two years ago. I'm not sure if we had him on last year or not. I can't remember. But obviously, he, he's involved. Again, you win the SEC two years in a row, you've done pretty good. Now, the SEC will be split into Division One and Division Two, but all the heavyweights will be in Division One for the most part. So, yeah, assuming we get to that point and everything plays out, they'll have a chance to defend their title. Basically, yes. We'll have Kevin a little bit on later to talk about his team, the season, and he's also going to talk to us a little bit about the coach's advancement for racial equity, which has been a big topic of discussion uh, last summer as we had dealt with COVID. But uh, Joe, the top 10 poll, let's just jump, kind of jump right into it. I mean, it's we were on WFSB Friday night, both of you, you both you and I and Joe Zone from uh, WFSB uh, asked about why we are running polls this this season. And uh, I know we had a big discussion about it at game times in the game time CT meetings we all have. And, uh, you know, you basically said, listen, you know, it gives us something to kind of look at. Otherwise, what else are we doing? But, you know, uh, the top 10s drop. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, why we did it and uh, 
let's run it well, down for everybody. Well, I, I, I kind of was ahead of the curve. I wanted to ask the voters a few weeks before the season started. I said, what do you honestly think? I mean, we haven't run them, as you know, since the last poll was ours, basketball or hockey that dropped in March right before it was canceled. And I just wanted to know what people thought about knowing there was no state tournament because our last poll last year never finished because we didn't have a tournament and knowing that there's no non-conference games. And a lot of people felt for the, for the good of the game and the good of the kids, we should run it and they'd be for it. I mean, I didn't have one negative person person saying they want to vote. So we have almost everybody, basically everybody back from last year. Um, understanding there's going to be, I, I don't want to use the word chaos, but I, I'd be really, I put the over under at three as far as undefeated teams this year because I just think we're going to have teams that go, go unbeaten. I mean, Prince Tech was ranked fifth in the final poll last year. They were undefeated. They're not playing a single game out of non-league. So, and last year they played a great schedule. They played, they won at Wilbur Cross. They, you know, they played several teams. So I just think we're going to have a little bit of controversy. That's, that's it. But that's what polls are all about, right, Sean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a controversy. I mean, we did a mythical football one. This It's controversial. It's just the way it is. And so, uh, but East Catholic is uh, number one. Uh, they received 17 to 19 first place votes. They were number one going into the tournament last year after winning the CCC championship. Uh, number two was Windsor. I mean, East Catholic and Windsor, again, that's been the rivalry for the last few years. Windsor came into the last year as the preseason number one. Uh, they lost their top two guards. But here's the thing. Despite the fact that it's, they're both in the CCC, they will not be playing each other because the CCC has decided, and, and understandably so, to stay in their regions that worked well in the fall. So they're going to have four different regions. Um, but the interesting thing is that Windsor will face Northwest Catholic. Northwest Catholic is in the third spot. So you got the CCC sweeping the top three spots in our poll. NWC beat Windsor in the semifinals last year of the CCC, lost to East Catholic in the final. And of course, East Catholic and Northwest Catholic don't play each other. And in the postseason right now, is to be, to be determined. So the CCC could be a regional playoff. It could be two champions. Who knows? So, and then from there, Sacred Heart was four. Uh, we know how great they've been. Since the since so basically since the start of game time CT in 2013, yeah, that was the last time they lost a home game. Okay, so I mean that was the Mustafa Heron era. That was when it started when game time started. So, um, therefore, their 125 game winning streak was snapped. They haven't played a game since. You know, so it right, right. Be, all about that. Yeah, and it remains to be seen how good they're going to be because Naugatuck, uh, which is fifth. Uh, won their first NBL championship since 1969. They got their top two players back, Avery Hennett and Onakoma, uh, I think I pronounced it right. If I messed it up, I apologize, S.A. But there, there to me is the team to beat. At least they play Sacred Heart, but Nogatuck doesn't play Crosby. So, I mean, we're going to see a lot of that this year. Uh, Wilbur Cross, as we met, before mentioned, uh, Governors, two-time SEC champions, they're sixth, followed by Notre Dame West Haven, one point behind them in the seventh spot. Notre Dame lost to Wilbur Cross in the finals two straight years. And, and Notre Dame is still searching for that SEC championship. And, yes, last year was the golden opportunity. And, they, and honestly, they really blew it. And, you know, and Cross played great defense. And you and I were both there. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that's – it's 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 until Notre Dame wins it, I mean, they're a great regular season team. They've been a great team since tr the days of Tremont Wars, even before that. But 
they had nothing to show for it. It's too bad because they really have been a great team. Uh, number eight, Norwich Free Academy, one of two undefeated teams from last year. Um, ECC Division One champions. Um, and uh, ECC is one of those leagues where they're split into two divisions like the SEC, but a lot of the heavyweights are in the top division. Actually, no, it's called the South Division. Um, Fitch, New London, Ledyard, NFA, East Lime, they're all in that division. So, And then the North Division is all the other, a lot of the other teams. Uh, number nine in the poll was Richfield. You know, every year people like, well, pick other teams in the FCAC, including myself, and every, three of the last four, Richfield wins the championship. And they don't have a lot of players that say, oh, wow, but they've been a consistent team, and to me, they're the team to beat. It's also made to prove that they can beat the Tigers in the FCAC playoffs. The Tigers of Richfield are the team to beat. And rounding out the top 10, Bristol Central, we wrote about him, Dominic Klingon, seven-footer, junior, 17 Division One offers. Probably will have more by the time the season's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they don't play East Catholic or Windsor or Northwest Catholic, but they do play New Britain twice. So um, they're going to be a team to watch, and obviously we're a very good team last year. So that's the top 10. Some very good teams outside the top 10. Um, I just wonder how many of these teams are going to be able to have a chance to move up unless these teams ahead of them lose and lose more than once. Uh, is there a thing, I mean, is, uh, you talked about some of the teams that the CCC weren't going to be able to play. The SEC seems to have done a really good job here of uh, with doing a Division One and a Division Two and reconfiguring the league to get right. their primo matchups to, together. Is there something that maybe the CCC could have done or, I mean, or maybe, I mean, I know there's only, what, 12 games. I know it's really hard, and especially in a monstrous league like, uh, the CCC, but is, maybe there's something they could have done in that regard or, well, they had or, talk, or what, well, I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. They had discussed, I know that they had talked about doing, um, two, like two of the four divisions each would play each other, maybe in like crossovers, but they, ADs decided because it worked in the fall, they wanted to keep the same regions due to this pandemic that we are playing in. And it's basically about the postseason, but it's about the experience, not so much about the competition. I mean, I think that's clear what the 80s decide, whether we like it or not, or coaches like it or not, that's just the way it is. And um, I mean, would it have been nice to have the two divisions match up two divisions and play some crossovers? Sure. But that's not what they decided. And again, we don't know what the postseason is going to bring yet. I mean, if it's just the four regions, then, well, right. Unfortunately, then it's like I said, it's a leaf of controversy. Right? Uh, now, yeah, yeah. At least you have that. At least you have a possibility. Well, the NBL, we don't, but the NBL, we don't know yet. They haven't decided yet. The CTC, we don't know. They haven't decided. I think the FCX is going to determine one champion. The SWC is doing one champion. So, again, I think it's good. Well, things can change. I mean, things can change and they can change the tournament format. They have time because they have. we have them basically four or five weeks before the term starts. Amazing. It'll go quick. Yeah. But um, look, I, 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 I'm just happy if we have something. And that's the way I look at it. I mean, it'll be disappointing that East Catholic don't play, doesn't win. And the whole scheme of things, I just want to see basketball. And yeah. I think the kids just want to play. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. They have us an opportunity to get out there with their friends and play. And, and that's what they're going to get a chance starting tonight. Let, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we're going to be, have to get used to this season. I mean, obviously, uh, COVID's kind of changed the game a bit. We've got our season postponed to now 
February, you know, February right. 8th. We start, we're supposed to start in early December. Um, now it looks like cases are going down, as you mentioned a bit, but uh, there's still going to be some uh, mitigation strategies in place. No fans. I mean, it's actually depending on, uh, there's going to be a lot of no f- empty gymnasiums and a lot of people watching on Zoom, um, which a lot, of, there, there are some plenty of people who think that the, they should start you know, allowing fans get, getting back into gymnasiums. But, you know, there's still, the, there's a there's a risk out there and, and it depends really on how the communities and their overall regions kind of uh, are dealing with it or how they want to, you know, how, what, what they're comfortable with. Uh, so just basically run down what you know about what some of those strategies are. Obviously the pl- players are going to be playing masks. Um, yeah, they're going to be, which, they're going to play in masks. Referees are going to have masks on. Coaches are going to have masks on. We know that obviously, I mean, you're going to have issues with them, the mask coming off. You're going to have to take mask breaks. Um, you know, obviously the high idea is to say, say protocols of limited people in the gym. Obviously, members of the media have to ask to be able to go and make sure we can get in there ourselves. Um, certain schools, the SEC, again, for the first week is no fans, but they're going to reexamine that Thursday. And there are going to be several schools that allow fans. Uh, the SWC's got some that do and some that don't. Usually, a lot of the cases, Sean, it's and everybody else, it's, it's two parents usually, up to two parents, no students, no opposing fans anywhere. Um, but, you know, as we go along, maybe people open it up, but we have to see how it goes. And again, if you lose two weeks because of fans or you lose two weeks because of, a, you know, a quarantine and then uh, you're going to open it up to fans when you come back, probably not. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard decision. And again, people are making decisions based on safety and they got, they're getting pressure to have for them parents to be able to see their kids play, which as a father, and I, I understand that, but it's it's hard. And but but the main, most important thing is they got to keep protocols. They want to have ventilated gyms. It, use of the locker room is going to be very limited. I'm not sure if referees going to be able to use the locker rooms. They're going to have to come dressed. Kids are going to have to come dressed and leave dressed. It's just the way it's going to have to be. I mean, you're going to I don't know if you're going to have kids line up on the bench. They're probably going to have like you see in the NBA. You're going to see in college. You're going to see people sitting behind to try to space out when they're not in the game. Uh, the scores table is going to be the limit to do just the necessary personnel. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of empty gyms. You're going to hear a lot. Of, you might hear more stuff if you view on NFHS. Hear more people and coaches yelling versus cheers. It's, I mean, if you watch a game show, it's it's very odd when they pipe in cheering. I mean, it, it was odd the Super Bowl last. I mean, you could hear fans. It was nice. I mean, I watched a golf tournament. It was nice to have fans. But unfortunately, until we know it's safe. The, the people who make decisions are, are not going to allow in more than they need to in order to keep everybody safe, the players, the referees, the coaches. That's the primary thing to get through this without much issue. Unfortunately, we just don't know <laughs> how that's going to go. Uh, I, I guess a lot of people can be able to watch this, uh, these these games on NFHS Network is the main one. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Fairfield County teams use a lot of uh, a lot of SEC teams use it, and uh, and it kind of depends on, on really what what your school district is about. You know, I've heard some complaints a little bit about that. Oh, I got to watch it on you know, but you know, it's the price of a ticket to get a, like a whole month's subscription. So at least you're going to be able to do that. I don't think that that's really out of the realm. But there are going to be a few free ones out there. It, it should be. It's not ideal, obviously. But uh, certainly, you know, at least we're going to be able to watch some of these and uh, comment on them and cover them. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, it's going to be different and it's going to be tough. And I, I'm curious about the, the mask thing. Um, I'm really curious about that. I mean, I know the, C, the, the NFHS has come out. They, they thought that 
games played outdoors, the spread is very limited. It's not really, it's not, it's not something they found to, to the spread of the disease, not something they found to happen during the game competition, but obviously basketball being indoors, it in heightens the risk a little bit. And then when you wear a mask, the NFHS said, um, it's almost as if you're playing without masks outdoors. So, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, again, the, the the spectrum, there are wildly different opinions there. But I think the Connecticut's taken a better safe than sorry tact. And I'm really interested to see how that, I mean, you're going to hear all sorts of stories about, oh, this guy ripped my mask off there. I mean, this, things get <laughs> things get heated. Uh, it's it's yeah. just going to be, it's going to be weird. And that's going to be one thing you can have to look at how the, how the mask wearing uh, uh, plays. It's, it's going to be, a, it, it, listen, we're all learning this. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to go as planned and there, issues are going to happen, but you know, and then people, games are going to be stopped to put the mask back on. I just, unfortunately it's, I mean, the, are you gonna, how great is the level of basketball going to be for conditioning purposes when you're playing with a mask? I mean, it's hard to play four court defense. I would think in a mask, I, but I don't know. So I, I think teams are going to do the best they can. Referees are going to do the best they can. But, yeah, you're going to hear stories, sure. And, unfortunately, I just – again, I think the biggest issue is can teams avoid being in quarantine for two weeks at a time? Right. And that's we know we're going to see that. The question is, is it contact tracing or whatever? Are we going to be able to get through a season? I, mean, I know I keep going back to the same point, but that was the point through the whole fall. Till we get through the season, we were able to. But near the end – a lot of teams had to bow out of postseason events because, well, right. because they were in quarantine or because there was yeah. a there was a, a case on on the team. So, I don't yeah, know. it's just a matter of being. Listen, if you're a player, you know, make sure you're doing all the right things. I think that's a really. I think a lot of kids know that they've had that hammered home. They saw what the consequences were, and, and you know, you saw a thing out in Wilton, um, you know, where where there was a huge party and kids, uh, you know, it caused a, a, lot, a lot of angst there and a lot of you know quarantines and. And craziness and then there's just been plenty of cases where kids might not be doing the right thing so if you're a player you know stay away from that stuff as, as much as possible it's only a month and a half it's winter i know you want to be with your friends and everything but uh you know let's get to spring <laughs> let's see if we can get some champion champions crown i know it's not the mohegan sun but let's get some champions crown um well we're going to have a, a coach kevin walton from Wilbur cross talk a little bit about that so let's get to our interview with him right now Welcome back to Courtside with Joe Morelli, uh, the first episode of the season here on February 8, 2021. Our first guest is the coach of the two-time defending SEC champions. It's got a nice ring to it. Kevin Walton joining us on the podcast. Kevin, yeah. welcome. How are things going as we open the 2021 season? Well, um, first of all, just let me say thank you to you guys for having me. Um, you know, it's great that you all keep uh, high school sports, especially basketball, in people's mind. Um, and I can't believe that we're actually sitting here talking about getting ready to play a season. Yeah, we, um, had, we had talked about, did a survey with the coaches, and we kind of put in the first one was, I asked people, when do you think we're going to have a season and when? And I think you had said March. I think you had thought it would be the ultimate season. Some people said they didn't think we'd have one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. But here we are. I mean, how surprised are you that we're actually starting? Well, um, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, you know, as I mentioned to you several times and to anyone who will listen, I think for me, it's it's bigger than basketball for our kids. The fact that our kids that haven't been in school in a school building since almost a year. Right. March right. will be a year. 
Um, so basketball is just one of the many things that they have been missing, you know, that's that socializing, um, hanging out with their friends, um, face-to-face learning with their teachers. Um, and so basketball, we, we're just really happy to be back in the gym with the guys. Um, it's just like a, almost like a different feel, you know, because it's, um, we're cautiously optimistic. And we're preparing for a whole season, but we're also talking to them about the reality of this virus and that it could be interrupted at any time. And, you know, it's really about um, helping them deal with adversity. Um, and this is what this has been a lot for them. But, you know, I'm just really happy that the kids have the opportunity to be back in the gym doing something close to normal. And just to let people know who are listening from places other than the uh, New Haven area, New Haven, I believe, was the only school that did not go back come September, I believe, the only school. Right. I, I believe I believe they were the only one. I'm not sure 100 percent about Bridgeport, but I believe New Haven was uh, the only one who hasn't been back. Now, since they're back with K-5 and I know they did some special needs students early on, um, but there's a whole contingency of kids, middle school through high school, who are still virtual learning. Kevin, you and I have talked and, and we joke sometimes that you know, the road has always gone through Hillhouse in the city. It's always been their city. But, you know at least in recent years. But when you win the SEC two years in a row and you beat the top dog during West Haven, sometimes the road changes. And uh, when you open up the paper or go online and you see you're ranked sixth, your initial thoughts were what? Uh, you know, my initial thoughts were, first of all, I didn't see it, right? They told me. Um, right? So my initial thoughts were, you know, we always like to, you know, to fly under the radar as much as you can as Wilbur Cross High School because regardless of um, the level of success that we haven't achieved yet. And, and you know, in New Haven and Wilbercourse basketball, that level of success is, um, you know, a state championship, right? You know, people are like, yeah, great. You won the SEC twice, but when are you going to win the state championship? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we, we live with that level of pressure every day. Um, and being in a city with uh, Hill House, who has had tremendous success um, recently, um, adds to that. But, you know, we focus on Wilbur Cross. We focus on keeping our kids grounded, but also challenging them because whether we're ranked sixth or we're not ranked at all, you know, when we play some of these other teams, they come in um, ready to beat Wilbur Cross basketball and ready to beat New Haven. So we prepare them to be prepared for every game. And the six, you know, being ranked sixth in the state is nice. You know, it's a nice selling point. It's a nice talking point, and it's um, but it's also a good opportunity for us to motivate and inspire our kids to say, "Hey, if you want to be looked at like this, then you got to continue to work harder and to surpass that." But you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to be number one in the final poll. I'm guessing by everything that we've already talked about, Kevin, that you don't go into talking to the kids about being a three-time champion. You talk about all the other stuff going on. Do we even mention the three P? Does it even come up or is it really about game to game? And that does it, that's kind of like a footnote until you get going. Yeah, you know, I think we've gotten us to the point where we, you know, we use those typical 20 games. Um, now it's 12 to get ready for the postseason. And so last year going in and I would thought we do put it out there to the kids, but you also have to look at who was returning. Like last year, we had some people who were returning, who had some experience this year. 
to be honest, the only two people who have any real experience are Derek Grant and Javon Taylor. Right. You know, the rest of these kids that are starting that will get major minutes are all JV players um, who got a little taste of varsity. So, you know, there's that. And how do they respond when we get to law on Wednesday night, right? Everything's great in practice when you're playing against JV kids, but what happens when you're playing against other varsity kids on Wednesday? Um, you know, the game is fast right now, but we always talk to them about, they, there's no secret and they want a taste of it as well. So they're hungry in that regard. A um, couple of things, uh, Kevin Walton from Wilbur Cross joining us on the uh, podcast. Um, obviously, like you said, we start Wednesday on the road and they prep the next day. Obviously, we have a lot of snow in the forecast, so we'll see how that plays out. But a couple mm-hmm. of things. Number one, how do you think the kids have been adjusting with masks? And how are they going to adjust to basically having their home games played at the field house? Now, the uh, Floydville Athletic Center, um, they are doing a lot of double headers and triple headers for both boys and girls for the safety purposes. Um, how is that going to go in addition to how they've been adjusting to masks? Part question. So, so the adjustment to the mass, um, they've been they've been really good about it. And my experience is, you know, working in education is we have what we call break, you know, mass breaks, right? So they get to get water and they get to go outside or and and distance themselves and be able to take the mask off um, and you know do it like that. But I have to be honest, they have been really good about the mask. Now we have to spend a lot of time saying, put the mask up, you know, pull the mask up, pull it up. We have to constantly do that. And I will say that Maurice and Gerald and Gerald and, and Kevin have been doing a great job of talking to kids and monitoring, you know, the distance piece of it, but also telling kids, pull your mask up, pull your mask up. And they have been very good about it. Um, and I think part of that is like, they just want to play. So if it means I have to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. If you ask me to wear body armor, I'll wear body armor. They just want to play basketball. Yep. You know what I mean? And as far as the field house. And, you know, again, um, uh, you know, we like, you know, they they just want to play, number one. But number two, they're OK with it. I, I think um, that myth about the, you know, the field house um, not being a good place to shoot and lack of energy. I think that is has been debunked. Um, and again, I think the kids will just want to play. And so they understand that we can't do it at Wilbur Cross. And that's what I say. The kids have been resilient. Like whatever we've asked of them, right. they're doing it, right? So there's no one who has complained about having to play at the field house. No one's complained about not having spectators. They're just saying, coach, I can't wait till the, we get to play. And that's what we're working on. Uh, I want to get into um, an organization you're a part of, the Coaches Advancement for Racial Equity. I've written a couple of stories about it as far as, basically trying to get obviously what it says, but to also try for the coaches to take charge of the summer showcase events, to coach them, to be involved with them. And obviously the longer piece here is to allow more activity and interaction off-season coaching, which is a bone of contention for a lot of coaches and a lot of sports. Can you go into Mm -hmm. why you joined the organization and, and how it's gone so far? Well, um, yeah, and again, thank you, because you have, uh, and, and you and some of your uh, colleagues across the state have written about this, and we really appreciate that. Um, I joined because, uh, you know, Ken Smith asked me to join, you know, and Winter when coach. Ken Smith uh, asked you to do something, you know, you do it, right? He's the, we call him <laughs> Dean Smith now, right? And, um, you know, Reggie Hatchett was involved before he was uh 
um, unceremoniously let go out of Weaver, uh, Levi Gillespie. So a lot of guys, Charles Silvon up that way. Um, And so I felt it was important to have a presence from New Haven on this um, committee. I think the main thing is the name itself and, you know, and our common goal of, and that's what, what struck me was, you know, from the very first meeting, um, everyone kind of had the same thought, right, about this, um, us coaching, having opportunity to work with our kids year round. Because I think, the, you know, a lot of times when we say coaching year round, people just think going to tournaments and summer league. I think people miss the fact that we can't even work with kids. Like we can't go to a gym and have workouts or an open gym because that's what the rule says. So when we say be able to work, be involved with our kids, whether you're going to coach travel ball or whether you're going to open up a gym and we're going to do drills, um, we want that opportunity, right? We understand why the rule was in place 50 years ago, right? But that the landscape of youth sports has changed. People are specializing year round in sports, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, soccer, football, whatever the case may be. Um, But the whole issue that we can't be involved, you know, for us as coaches, it's not just from November to March. It's a year round commitment from our kids. And a lot of times people are going to do what they want to do anyway. Right. And so we just want the CIAC to come to the table and say, let's relook at this and give these individual opportunity because there's a lot of um, relationship building that goes into our relationships with our kids. As I mentioned to you, we, Joe, we were doing Zooms every Wednesday with our um, student athletes prior to the start of practice because it was important that we were able to check in with them and to see where they were mentally, academically, um, and just to stay connected. I think the other thing is that we, if you and you as a, as, a, uh, as a journalist who covers this, you know the number of kids just in the SEC who we have lost to prep schools. Yes. Right? Um, and I think that plays a part in it as well because not only the, the fact that we can't be involved with them year-round, so a lot of times these guys go with their travel school coach in the spring and it's the travel team coach who's making that connection to the prep schools and things of that nature. So a lot of times I hear coaches say they didn't even know a kid was leaving. You know, we had a situation where we didn't know a kid was leaving until the first day of school, right? So no one said anything to us. Um, and I don't think there's a coach in this state or coaches I know who would deny a kid an opportunity, but the same token, if we're on the same page talking about it, how can we help that? How can we support that? Because at the end of the day, it's about the kid. But I think along with year-round coaching, is how else do we enhance public basketball, um, CIAC basketball, right? Uh, We talk about the shot clock, preparing kids for the next level, right? We talk about these college showcases that are coming up. A lot of our kids, you know, and the myth that Black kids can only go to college is is through athletics, through being able to bounce a ball, throw a ball, is, is wrong. But in the same token, there are so many kids in the CIAC who may not be high level D1 players, but who can be D2, D3 players. And they need that opportunity to be seen in front of college coaches. And I, we believe that high school coaches should be involved in that. And we shouldn't be restricted because of an old rule that says we can't work with our schools. If 
if they're, you know, if 300 college coaches are going to be at the Floyd Little Athletic Center, why can't us as coaches be involved with the drills and the coaching and interacting with the college coaches and interacting with the parents and trying to make that thing work for the kid, right? So this thing isn't just about us saying, well, we don't want you playing baseball, so come with us and you got to do basketball year round. It's saying we want an opportunity. So if I have eight kids who say, coach, we want to play travel ball, I should be able to coach them, right? And we should be able, as professionals, um, be trusted that we're not unduly influencing kids to say, well, you know, don't play baseball because we have, you know, 20 tournaments this spring. You know, we have a level of integrity. But our integrity is based on opportunities for kids. Excellent points made by Wilbur Cross coach Kevin Wall and joining us on the podcast. You know, a lot of this, as we, we opened the show before you came on, Kevin, about the, what COVID has done. And obviously, we, we haven't really got into the Black Lives Matter movement. But you were part of the protest that, uh, correct, if New Haven on I-95 went to the, to the New Haven Police Department back in, I believe, late May. If I'm not mistaken, early June. Point I'm trying to make here is we all have how to deal with change. The season is going to be, like you said, it's going to be about change. You can change. Your schedule can change. You could be on pause. Point I'm trying to make is it's how, how tough and how much you have to talk about your kids would change. And a point that the National Federation and the CIAC has both made about kids dealing with anxiety, kids dealing with depression, because they haven't been around their friends. New Haven. Mm-hmm. Kids haven't been able to play basketball or play football or whatever. How much did that change? And pre- how much does that interact with each other? And how much of it is really real to what you've seen from your kids? Oh, well, no, I, you know, I, I commend my kids because a couple of kids, you know, say, hey, coach, I'm struggling. You know, when you talk about struggling, they're struggling, um, you know, not necessarily academically because they were, we have some great report cards and very high achieving kids, but they're struggling with the fact that school is on a Zoom all day, on a computer, right? And they're struggling with the fact that they don't see their friends. And it's not just because these kids are student athletes. The statistics will tell you that mental health um, challenges have risen dramatically in the last year in teenagers, right? And that's not even talking about the young ones, right? Out in um, uh, Nevada, um, I'm not, I forget the county, but it's where, you know, out near uh, um, Las Vegas, they had double the number of suicides in a year of high this. school kids. Yeah, I heard this one. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's the extreme. That's the kids who actually take their lives. Right. But then you talk about the kids who just are dealing with depression. They're dealing with um, anxiety. You know, what about the kids who rely on school for two meals per day, right? So that food insecurity comes into play. We don't know who those kids are. It could be some of my kids, right? Unless they've told us that, we don't know. Um, And so it's what we realize is that school and educators play such an integral part of um, young people's development. And we've seen that that's taken away. And now what you do is you get into the weeds of um, equity, right? So if you're a town or you live in a town, if you have means, you know, you might have been with a tutor or you may have been able to go out and find an educational assistant. Or, you know, I know the JCC was offering 
um, slots for kids to come in and, and do their distant learning. You know, that stuff takes money, right? Um, so um, what about technology, right? We're asking kids to, hey, automatically Zoom, turn on to a Zoom. The technology divide has been exposed again, right? If you don't have the means, not everybody has um, Wi-Fi. Not everyone has a um, working computer, you know? And I think New Haven has done a great job of getting Chromebooks to kids and, you know, partners have stepped in to help that out. But, you know, it was exposed. We were exposed to what we are as a, success, a society, right? And we're a society where the gap between the haves and have-nots is growing and COVID just kind of, um, we knew it was there, but COVID shed a lot, um, shed a light on it. And it's trickled down to school and it's trickled down to teenagers and um, elementary school kids as well. Can you imagine, Joe, you're a kindergarten and your learning was on a computer all day? My son's in kindergarten and he, we, we, well, we pulled him. But yes, there's been issues where it's distance learning. It's not, it's, it's definitely different because as a parent, when you're trying to work from home, I got to pay attention to his assignments. It's very difficult for me. So I can't imagine when somebody who's got a, has to work from home because they can't go and you got two or three kids on Zoom. I, or, or, I can't imagine that. That's, I'd be out of my mind. Yeah. We, yeah. And it, it's, and we often talk about like, what would I have? To, I don't think I would have survived. I, I don't, you know, my mother was a single, I had a single parent, right? She worked two jobs. She wouldn't have been at home checking my work and making sure I was logging on. First of all, we didn't even have a computer, but let's just say if we did. She wasn't, she wouldn't have been able to do that. And left to my own devices, I wouldn't have been doing that. You know what I mean? And so I commend the kids who have, these kids have, are resilient, right? These kids have kind of, they don't do the complaint. Most of the complaining comes from adults, right? The, the adults who want to receive their full paycheck, but don't necessarily want to go back into a building, um, you know, and, and to teach these kids. And I think we have to always look at, the, the least amongst us, and you can tell what the impact is when you judge based on what happens to the least amongst us. And I think our kids are suffering. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, get this thing under control where kids can be back in the building and teachers feel safe enough to be back in the building and we can begin to get some normalcy back. Kevin Welton joining us as we wrap up the, the podcast here. Um... The last time that you, me, myself, you, and Sean were all together was uh, in the field house for the championship. And I, I think a certain sports writer picked against you two straight years against Notre Dame. And I know how much you look forward and everybody uses anything as motivation. So do, do I need to pick against you again or should I pick across this? Time? No, absolutely. Pick against us. And I can give you a couple of teams to pick, right? You can definitely Hill House, um, definitely Notre Dame. <laughs> Definitely prep and West Haven. Definitely pick them ahead of us because they're all better than us. <laughs> That's not what the poll says. The poll says no. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're better than us. Uh, Kevin Wallen, keeping it real here, and obviously a lot of great topics here to open up the season. Kevin Wallen, thank you for joining us. Good luck what? this season. It's going to be a wild ride. Let's just hope we stay safe and get, get through it. It is, but Joe, I, I just wanted to tell you one thing that yeah. we at CARE, um, we yeah. just want to make sure that people know that we're thinking about Tom Kamchowski, um, yes. who has been moved to hospice. Uh, for those that have been involved with sports, know that he is kind of the, 
uh, understated super recruiter, right? Who has been around for years. And, you know, he's so old school that he writes everything down on paper. And a quick story, we were out at a four league game about two years ago and uh, he was there and I said hi to him and I introduced myself to him. And he said, I said, hey, coach, how you doing? Kevin Walton, I remember you from years ago. And he says, oh, yeah, Kevin Walton, uh, St. Peter's in Staten Island, class of 86. I swear to you. And I was like, what? And I wasn't even that good. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. He has an incredible yeah. memory. He, he's just- yeah, he does. He did. And uh, and like I told you the other day, I wish I had um, I wish I could get his my hands on his notes. Right. Because he probably has sold tremendous notes, talked about every player that you heard of and didn't hear of. And probably, I guarantee, not one bad or negative word about the kid. And you guys are planning on taking, trying to do something on behalf. Yeah, of we have to. You have to honor someone like that because he saw the value in um, helping kids in their recruiting process, and also not wanting anything for it. Here's a guy who most of the time he was on his own dime, showing up at places, getting notes, connecting kids, and every kid who played high school basketball probably knows him especially from, you know, from the 80s and 90s. Absolutely. Kevin, thank you for bringing it up. I apologize for not mentioning it. And thank you. No, no worries. Good luck this season. We appreciate yes. the time. Thank you. And listen, we we'll hope to see you um, in the field house, uh, some of those triple headers. And hopefully we'll see you at the SEC semifinals um, and finals. And we'll be there and we'll be wearing red as a visiting team. <laughs> as always. <It's> on. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Thank you. All right. Thank All you right, guys. coach. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Have us. a good one. All yeah. Right. Take care. So Joe, that was uh, Kevin Walton, you know, affable as always. And I really actually do appreciate him bringing up Tom Kinchalski at the end there. You know, I, we, the, over the weekend, we had heard that the, yeah, the, the longtime uh, recruiter and it just, the Mr. Basketball uh, was in hospice and uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. And uh, yeah, I mean, his extended family, which basically you should include all of, all of, basketball i mean you name it anytime there was something big going on you would probably see him at an event i read some columns and some tributes to him over the weekend especially one from the uh from the new york post uh that you know he yeah he didn't you know he doesn't have a cell phone doesn't have an answer machine you know you could probably get him on his uh on his phone but you know the guy was just everywhere and he would get he didn't even have a car he would get lifts to all these places that just shows you and he was able to get everywhere. I I only knew him from the, the JCC and he knew exactly what I did for, you know, he knew exactly who I was and what I did. And, uh, you know, and he, we would talk uh, not, not a lot, but it was, yeah, it was, it was an honor to, to meet him. And I, you know, he, he was just well-regarded by everybody at the JCC. And, you know, it was funny watching him and we, we actually, uh, his, uh, Howie Garfinkel from, uh, from five star, you know, he, he had died, uh, I guess what, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing. Um, work that he did and those two guys were always kind of on the, on the same circuit um so uh you know our, our obviously our, our our thoughts go out to his family and uh, well he, you know, we he, again him. i don't even know i don't think he was married i mean he lived alone and as you said i mean he's a renowned talent evaluator i mean seth davis who worked at new haven register cbs sports the athletic i mean he said in his tweet one of my best friends in basketball and Obviously, Rick Pitino was the one who tweeted something out. So he's now at Iona. I mean, everybody, if you're connected with New York City basketball or the tri-state area, you you run into him at some point. I mean, he knew, you know, Montelli would go see his games. you go see his kids. And I'd run into him every so often. But obviously, and if I wrote something on a state player there, that was a major 
recruit like a Chris Dunn from New London on the NBA or, or Mustafa Heron, those he if I could get him on the phone and get some thoughts, he would be great. And, it, and as Kevin Walton said, he didn't have a negative word to say about anybody. That wasn't his thing. I mean, like his notes, I, I'm sure they're not on a computer, unfortunately. I, I hope yeah, yeah, I would suggest they put those up at the, uh, you know, I hope those go oh, up, to, up to Springfield someday. I think hope yeah, they pick out some of the best I mean, stuff and, it's, you know, it's a real I would think they, I mean, this 2020 and now 2021 is taking a lot of people, and famous people we know and people in yeah. renowned people. And it's, just, it's just a shame because he's done a lot of good for a lot of people. And again, our thoughts go out to anybody associated with him. And like I said, I'm sure a lot of people, I just hope he fights for a long time. So, yeah. Uh, re- real quickly, just, I mean, again, we start this week, a couple things, the Bridgeport schools, we're not in. They had, the, their season was put on pause. I wrote canceled. They brought it back week of the 28th, but they have to get 15 practices in. So they're not starting. In fact, Bassett and Harding opened the season two weeks from today on February 22nd. Uh, that's when Central opens against Ludlow. The Waterbury schools, a lot of them because of the remote learning, because they start practice late. They don't start until next week. So the SWC starts tonight. Um, the FCX starts, I believe, Tuesday. The SEC starts in earnest Wednesday. Couple of interesting games. I know if you want, to, you can look on NFHS to see if they're going to be on. Uh, Trumbull at Ridgefield Tuesday night, open up the uh, FCX season. Wilbur Cross at Fairfield Prep on Thursday. Again, Kevin Walton. It's one of the teams he mentioned. Fairfield Prep's going to be very good. Uh, Hill House at West Haven. Two teams are not in the top ten, but two teams have have plenty of talent and renowned and good programs, and you get a good barometer game right from the start. The next day, again, weather permitting, Fairfield Prep at West Haven. So, tough start for West Haven. Fitch at Ledyard on went on Friday night. Ledyard, I believe, beat Fitch in the ECC Division One semis last year. Ledyard lost to uh, NFA in the final. And one game of interest on Thursday night, I don't talk much about this league. Again, Prince Tech basically had a great season, as you said, last year. Their toughest game was their last game against Goodwin Tech. We're at the CCC tournament final, you and I. And yeah, Goodwin yeah. Tech was beating him for a lot of the game. And, again, I don't know what Goodwin Tech brings back, but they only lost by three last year. I know a Prince Tech lost Kazell Stewart. So I imagine that's actually a very good game in the CTC. And, again, Prince is only going to play league games. So I'm curious to see how that goes. But that's the first week. And, again, it's a feeling out process. And uh, I'm just happy they throw it up tonight, Sean. I really am. Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be good to get out there or at least be able to – get to talk about basketball, you know, again, I didn't have a football season. We didn't have a football season. That was kind of really rough. And, um, but uh, to, to get out there, yeah, I know Mohegan Sun, but you know what, this is going to be a regional thing anyway. And I think the kids are going to really put a lot of stock in playing their, their, their league tournaments. And that's going to mean a lot to them. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting. So, but yeah, we have a long way to go uh, to this, these two months here. So we'll see what's going to happen. And, but like you said, it's good to get get back into the flow. And then before you know it, it's been a year. I can't believe it already. So before you know it, we'll be out there and everything will be back to normal and vaccines and and uh, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll, it'll be back before you know it is what I'm Hopefully saying. Hopefully it'll so, be herd immunity. You'll have a herd yeah. immunity and we'll yeah. have to be talking about this other than, hey, what what we went through to get there and hopefully we'll be back to the Mohegan next year. Just, let's just hope everybody stays safe and healthy. That's the most important. Basketball All right, Joe. Secondary. But again, it's good to be back with you, Sean, and uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Likewise, Joe. So, uh, why don't you take us out? For Sean Patrick Bowley, I'm Joe Morelli for the 
first of many installments of our boys basketball podcast. Of course, I with Joe Morelli. Thank you. Talk to you next time.